Well, good evening. We're going through a series during Advent looking at the passages that come into the Messiah. Looking forward to Saturday evening when it is being performed at St. John's. And we come to the part tonight. You may well have picked it up during the service. Prepare the way of the Lord. We're looking at this passage from Malachi, where he's looking forward to the incarnation of Jesus, preparing the way for the incarnation. So let's have a think a little bit about the setting that we find Malachi. The Israelites are now back from exile. The temple has been reconstructed and it's in service. But things are not what they used to be. It's not the old glory that they were hoping for when they returned home. The people have been given this promise that things would be better again. And yet they weren't really believing that things were happening. It wasn't this triumphant return from exile that they were hoping for. They were facing economic hardship. They were facing failures. They were still living under foreign rule. The moral state of society was in decline. The temple was being neglected. And people were becoming cynical. The Malachi passage we've just heard read starts with these questions. How can God be just and loving in the presence of all of this evil in the world? Where is this God of judgment anyway? There's a passage in Psalm 73 that that draws this out a little bit. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their, Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff. They speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know everything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure and have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I'd have spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. People in society are failing to give God the honour and the respect that he deserves. They're withholding tithes. They're treating the offerings with contempt, bringing poor quality offerings. Morally, they're divorcing their wives. They are marrying foreigners. Basically, they're only following the laws that they want to be following. And Malachi says that they are wearying the Lord. 
by rejecting God's moral judgment and putting God on trial, they're looking at the evidence of the world around them. And their conclusion is that the rich must be the ones who are blessed. They are the favoured ones. But they're acting immorally. Therefore, evil must be good because it's being punished. Sorry, it's being rewarded. And so they are judging God by human standards. They're mocking him. They're calling this holy God who cannot look on sin, somebody who sees evil as good, someone who delights in evil men. They're denying God his rightful position of the righteous governor of the world. And they're also justifying themselves If God is happy with evil, or if he's turning a blind eye, then we can act how we want. It doesn't matter. God won't see anyway. Now, what many of them are actually doing is actually denying God's existence completely, reducing him to just a mere human, judging him by human standards. I wonder if this sounds familiar Because I think our world today looks very much like this. You only have to look on social media at some of the comments on some of the Christian posts that you see. I was reading through some the other day. The Bible is a fairy tale. If it ever was true, it's now completely irrelevant. People are calling believers delusional or ignorant, or brainwashed. They're saying there is no evidence in the world that God is actually out there at all. If the Bible ever was true, it is completely irrelevant now. They are redefining what it means to be good. Evil doesn't really exist. There is no good or evil, only power, and those too weak to use it. God doesn't exist And even if he did, he's an unjust bully, making unethical demands on his people. So as it was in Malachi's day, it is now as well. But people's unbelief doesn't make the promises of God untrue. Because there is a promise. The day of the Lord will come. Malachi promises two messengers. My messenger, the one who would announce the coming of the king, the one who would be calling for obstacles to be removed, for hindrances to be taken away. John called people to repentance and reformation, calling people to be ready for that second messenger that would come, the messenger of the covenant because God would raise up a righteous king and that king would set things in order he would purify the sacrifices purify the priests purify the nation he would come to the temple and fulfilled everything that happened there in Jesus the Messiah, the Christ we see this fulfilment 
He came in his incarnation to be that perfect sacrifice on our behalf. He came to die, to be raised, to ascend, and he will return. He is judge eternal, throned in splendor, shattering the complacency of all of the world. So when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're not just looking back to that first Christmas, but we're looking forward as well. We're remembering what Christ has already done, but we're also looking to that time when he will come in glory to judge the living and the dead. Because that Jesus, the messenger of the covenant, he is Lord. He is the basis and the foundation of what the world is connected to, where we are founded. He is the ruler of all, the Lord of all. People in our passage ask, where is the God of judgment? And God's reply through Malachi, here he is. Chapter 3 answers chapter 2. His presence will come. And when that presence of Christ comes, among wicked people, there is a requirement for judgment and for gracious refinement. So we see two sides to this promise, depending on where we're standing. We see the promise of restoration. He's coming to sanctify, to cleanse, to purify and to reform. So who is being purified? The sons of Levi, it says. Those devoted to his praise. Those who are remaining faithful. Those who are employed in his service. Those who are employed in his service. As Christians, we will be purified. Set apart from God to do his service and to praise him. And how will that purification happen? We're not just talking of a shaking off the dust, giving a little bit of a sponge wash. We're talking about a purge. All of the dross needs to be removed. This idea of the refiner's fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit working through temptations and afflictions and the sufferings that we have in this life. And through those things, faith can be honed It won't be comfortable, it won't be easy, but it will be worth it. Because through those trials, we can learn to praise and honour God how he should be praised and honoured. In Titus we see Jesus described as purifying for himself a people that are his very own. So that... They may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. The Messiah would come to make his people acceptable so that we can offer praises to God that will please him, that he will accept proper worship will happen again. God will be glorified. So in this time of Advent, A time of waiting, 
Not just waiting for Christmas, not just waiting for the next window in the Advent calendar. Remembering all that Jesus has done for us, yes, of course. But also waiting for that second coming. Jesus has conquered death and has fulfilled the words that Malachi has spoken. But it's not fully worked out yet. We're living between these two appearings of Jesus. And we mustn't become complacent. We look around and we see people who are using this as an excuse to reject God. It's too long. It's ancient history. What has that got to do with me now? It can't really be true. And if it is, is it really worth the wait? When Jesus will return, people won't be looking. It will come as a surprise. But there is still time now. Still time for people to be responding. When the day of judgment comes, it will be a full purge on all that is evil. God is not unmindful of the justice in the world. Evils will be rectified. The next lines in that psalm. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. You see, those who long to be good, who long for God, will be changed, will be purified by Jesus, their Saviour. Those who seek Jesus will find pleasure in him. If he is our heart's desire, then he will also be our heart's delight. The purpose of this messenger is that through him people may have life, real life, true life, a pure life, eternal life. But this is a very serious message that Malachi is giving us. And it must be taken with awe and reverence because this coming of the Messiah brings both comfort to his church but also terror to the wicked. The people will get what they desire but will they be able to endure it? As we wait, we mustn't be arrogant. If we're Christians, this is not an opportunity to be judging other people. We need to be on our guard. We need to be watching. We need to be careful. Only by facing this terror of all that we have been saved from can we really understand the blessing. God comes in the midst of evil, in the midst of death, to judge the vile in the world and in us too. And we now are the messengers, his church. We're the ones who can be saying to others about this truth. Perhaps they'll scoff. Perhaps they will still reject God. Perhaps they may reject us. But we know the consequences of their actions if they choose to reject. They will not endure unless they turn to him. And our job on the earth is to make sure that people know what they're rejecting. The passage from Malachi 
It's only five short verses, but it's a summary of the entire gospel. Everything in the world just looks helpless without God, meaningless. But God promises that he will provide a way for it all to make sense. He fulfills this promise and he purifies all who will turn to him. The joy and the sparkle and the excitement of Christmas time is a pale shadow of what we're really waiting for. And as Christians, we're called to remain faithful to him, to keep that vision in our minds through our lives, to persevere as we are being purified, not to see our sufferings as times of of hardship and difficulty, but actually opportunities. How can God be using this? And we're here to serve him as messengers. So this Advent Sunday, I encourage you to reorientate reorientate yourself towards Christ's return. Look back to his incarnation. But as you're doing so, look forward to the triumphant return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch and wait and warn. Seek him. Allow him to purify you so that we can offer a life of righteousness. Amen.